0: Well, good morning and welcome to Renaissance. My name is Chris, and if you're a guest with us today, I just want to say how good it is to have you uh, come up into this incredible place and uh, spend an hour with us. And uh, I know that uh, uh, that was a choice decision you made uh, to do that. And so I'm thankful that uh, um, you're giving us a, a, a try here. And uh, after service, I just want to encourage you to go through those doors and make a right. And uh, in our kind of cafe area, we have our guest center. And there's this incredible team of people that want to connect with you and get to know you a little bit, answer any questions you might have about Renaissance, why we're here, why we exist. And so uh, uh, they're there. So uh, please, please do that before you leave today. And also, if you're a guest, today is a little different. And uh, we're actually going to, at the back end of this service, do our... Uh, 2011 year in financial update. And so uh, I'll share a little bit more towards the end of the message, but we're going to do a song and give everyone a chance. If you want to just scoot on out or if you don't want to listen to it or uh, you're really hungry and you want to get a bagel to that point, uh, you can scoot out and and do that during that song. Uh, We will go a few minutes over today but we're also going to kind of end the service early, uh, er, today so that what we can give you a, a clear picture of what 2011 looked like and then where we're headed to here in 2012 and what that uh, all means for us as a church. So uh, that'll be towards the end of our time together today. Well, let me pray, and we're going to jump into uh, week five of seven. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for this opportunity we have as a church, and I'm so grateful and thankful for just... Uh, what you're doing in all of our lives. And uh, Renaissance is truly a special place and such an honor to be a part of it. And uh, I know uh, the impact already has made on my life and my, my, my wife's life and our kids' lives. And so, Lord, I thank you for that. I pray that uh, uh, my words will be clear today, uh, that my words will represent you extremely well, Lord, that... Uh, you will speak loudly and that, Lord, uh, all of us, including myself, our hearts will be open to what you have to say through your word, through your Bible. And so, Lord, uh, I pray for that. And uh, in your name I pray. Amen. Well, uh, again, we are week five of the series called Seven because it's seven weeks long. We're really creative here at Renaissance and uh, and uh, literally what the series is all about. Is, is this performance review we find in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. It's Jesus giving these seven specific churches located in these seven very specific cities their performance, performance review, how well they are doing. There's encouragement, uh, places where he's kind of high-fiving them, saying, way to go. And there's also moments of correction and rebuke of areas where they need to work on. And what we've seen over the last uh, four weeks leading up to today, the fifth week, is that there's been incredible uh, moments for us collectively as a church, but also individually for us to grow in questions that we need to ask of ourselves. And so uh, if you missed the previous weeks, know that you can always jump on, get the podcast. If you go to renaissancechurch.org, you can find the the previous messages there. But also know that if you've missed... The last four weeks, or this is your first time, you're not going to find yourself like missing a bunch of stuff, wishing that, you know, you know uh, what we've talked about. You can pick up right here today because it's an individual church and a letter written to that very specific church. So we're going to, uh, last week we looked at the church uh, located in the city of Thyatira. And uh, if you missed last week, this is going to be a really, really, really odd question. If you were here last week, you'll know what I mean. So the question was this. What's your double stuff? What's that thing that seduces you? What's that thing that whispers your name? What's that thing that controls you? What's that thing that has a grasp on your life? What's your double stuff? So last week, uh, after one of the services, someone came up to me and said, Hey, do you realize that uh, Oreo, uh, its 100th birthday is 2012? I'm like, You gotta be kidding! So, you know, mission one this week was for me to do all this research for this weekend's message. And the first thing I had to do was I typed in, you know, Oreo's 100th birthday. And you know what I discovered? Two things. Oreo's 100th birthday, the physical date, is Tuesday. March 6th is its birthday. And I'm like, oh, God, why me? Right? Because you have to eat an Oreo on its birthday. It's law, right? And I'm like, oh no, so all Tuesday, think of me, because I'm going to be like, oh, I want an Oreo. Uh, and so that's number one. And then I discovered this. Do you know where the first Oreo was ever sold? Uh huh. Uh huh. New Jersey. Hoboken. Just right up. I'm like, I know why I love New Jersey. This is why I'm here. <laughs> like, Think about what are the chances of that. So um, now, if you missed last week, uh, you'll need to go listen to the message to figure out what we talked about. So this week, we're going into this this church located in the city of Sardis. And the word is hollow. And we'll uh, discover more of what that means. But uh, growing up, uh, did you ever have your mom say to you or your physical ed teacher say to you or your coach say to you, you are what you eat. Have you ever said that to someone? You are what you eat. Isn't that honestly a true statement? It's why I can't have double stuffed Oreos in my house, because I'll turn into one, literally turn into one. But isn't it one of those just true statements You know, what we consume, what types of foods we consume, right, will affect our entire person, our entire body, but not only our physical body, right, but our self-image, that internal side of us. There's another kind of statement, and I don't know if you've ever articulated it this way before. I think it's another one of those guiding principles in our lives. Our outside, our outside persona, our outside, who we are on the outside, will always reflect what's going on on the inside. Maybe not in this very specific moment, but at some point, right, Whatever is going on internally will creep out think about how much time we spend working on our outside. For some of you, that, that was today. You jump in the car, the kids are yelling, they're screaming, they've snuck the dog in there and throwing the dog back and forth. It is World War Ten in your car and you pull into the parking lot and right when the door's open, you're like, okay, we're at church, smile! <laughs> and you walk up the happy stairs together, right? You're like, but you're really squeezing the hand, right? You know, the the dad grip, the death grip. You're like, you will smile now. We're at church. For some of you husbands and wives, right? You're still fighting from Tuesday. But no one would know it right now because you guys are arm in arm walking up those stairs. We love each other. And as soon as you walk out today, you're gonna get in the car and guess what happens? I'm still ticked off. And then one of you is gonna say, didn't you listen to that guy on stage? bam, what can you do with that, right? But right, we, we work a lot on our outside persona. We even put that pressure on our kids. We went over, went over to some people's houses uh, last night for dinner, and they're awesome people, and, like awesome people, but you know, in the car, we're like, you girls better behave and use your manners, right? There's that checklist of things. And you will eat what's given to you and you won't act, right? There's like all this pressure, right, on our kids. And they're like, we just want to play, you know? It's like so simple, right? But, you know, we want our kids. And so we put that on them to make sure we get, but all of us as parents, right? We know, like kids, they're kids. They're kids. Have you ever done the, 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 the death walk, like out of Target before with a screaming two-year-old? Right, screaming, and you're just walking. You can't get out of there fast enough, but you don't want to run because that look really odd, right? You're, you're running out of target with a screaming kid, right? And you get two looks, right? That, that was four, by the way. You get two looks, right? Sorry, math. And uh, you get the look from the people that understand who've been there, and they're like, oh, yeah, I know, I know. There's nothing, you know, the kids possess. Heads are going to start turning. And then you get that look from that person who doesn't know, and they're like, well, hey, If you're a really good parent, you could control your kid, right? And those people, you just want to stop, sit your child down, hit them. I mean, hug them, pick your kid up and keep going, right? But we're so worried about that. Think about how much time that you have spent. Just this week alone, on your physical appearance, making sure that every hair is in its right place. Making sure that fingernails and hands are manicured. Making sure that your outfit is well pressed and color coordinated. And you think about the meetings you have during the week and the dinners that you have and the social gatherings and outings and you want to be all put together. The amount of hours at the gym. If you had two buckets of time, You have the bucket that's focused on your whole outer persona. And you have a bucket that's all about those inner qualities. Those hard to quantify qualities. Those spiritual qualities. Those emotional qualities. If you have those two simple buckets how much time just let's, let's look at this last week. How much time did you spend focus on your whole outer persona compared to how much time you spent focusing on your inner? 80/20? 80, 85/15? 99 what? you even write a number down of how much time you worked on the inside of who you are. But isn't it true that the inside will always push through? that our outside will always reflect what's really going on in the inside at some point. Oh, you and I, we get good at acting, don't we? Some of you right now are like, oh no, did he hear us in the car? <laughs> That'd be weird. But our inside will always be reflected on the outside. So we jump into this letter to this church church. And remember, again, these letters are to a church, but what you and I, right, we all know that a church isn't a building. It's made up of people, you and me. You can take this building away, and there's still a church. And so it's, yes, this collective, but it's also very individual for you and I. So Jesus jumps in, he goes, to the angel of the church in Sardis Right, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds, and you have a reputation of being alive. Remember, Jesus gives rebuke, correction, and encouragement. And he goes, I know your deeds. This church in Sardis, this group of people, were living out what the church was supposed to be about. They understood Acts 2, and we talk a lot about Acts 2 here. This short list of kind of uh, qualifications or pieces, components of, of what God says the church should have. They served each other. They met each other's needs. When someone had a death in the family, they had people show up with meals. When someone needed a kid picked up, they would coordinate that effort. When someone found out that they had a critical serious illness, they surrounded that family with love, with support, with encouragement. When someone went through a hard job transition or job loss, they surrounded that person, helped them stay on their feet, helped them move on to the next step in their lives. They were out, outwardly being what the church wanted uh, what the church was all about, what God wanted the church to be. They worshiped together. They ate together. They prayed together and Jesus was saying, you guys are, your deeds are amazing. Way to go. And your reputation is alive. How many churches have you been a part of or been around? Probably doesn't have the reputation of being alive. How many dead churches have you been in or driven past or been at a lunch with someone and they're talking about their church and it's just like, oh, it's dead. First time here at Renaissance, my wife and I looked at each other and said, this place is alive. I've talked with so many of you and your experience the first time walking in is like, this place is special. This place, something's happening. This place is alive. And Jesus was saying to this church in Sardis, I know your deeds. You are an acts to church. And your reputation, the people in the community, whether they like church or not, whether they agree with what you're doing or not, your reputation precedes you. It's, It's a great thing in the community. People are talking about this church in Sardis that's alive. I left out a word though. Because Listen to this. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but changes it, doesn't it? Right? That simple three-letter, it changes everything. If I walked up to you and said, wow, you look great. You've lost weight, but. If someone walked up to you and said, wow, wow. Your newborn daughter is beautiful, but someone called you and said, Oh, that first date, I had such a good time with you. But does it matter what comes after at that point? It doesn't matter. Like, I, I sat on my desk thinking about this, going, Okay, someone came up to me and said, Wow, Claire, she's so beautiful, but is there anything they could say? To, to save that statement, but she has really big eyes, so my kid looks like an alien, right? Like, what, what are you trying to say? In leadership one-on-one or management courses, they'll say you, you never, in a, in a statement of encouragement, include the word but. Just never do that. Because as soon as you in, insert that word, guess what happens? It cancels out the encouraging line, It just cancels it out. You see, now we read that that sentence. Jesus saying, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but does it really matter what he says after that? Because now we kind of look at that saying, you know what? What they're doing and their reputation, does it matter at this point? Jesus says, but you are dead. You, you you won't find this in the Bible anywhere. You'll find this concept throughout the Bible. You won't find this exact line. Do you know how much God cares about your outer self? Zero. You'll find throughout the Bible, him caring a whole lot about your inner self. And you might say, well, no, wait, wait, Chris. He does care about your outer self because gluttony's a sin. But you know what is at the heart of gluttony? It's when you put food above God. It's idol worship. That's a heart of gluttony. God cares zero because what God knows is what's going on inside of you will always, always be reflected on the outside. Yesterday, my girls were sitting on the couch and they were playing with my iPad and uh, uh, I, I bounced out of my office. And, um, and let, let, let me preference this little lovely, honest story. Uh, I absolutely love what I'm doing right now, uh, but it's absolutely crazy. My world's crazy in such a great way. And some of you know that, like you find yourself uh, uh, professionally in that space where you, you're so excited about what's going on, but it's a lot. And that's the space. Like I absolutely, I'm so, God has us here in such a cool, cool place, but it is a lot. And so I'm going at mock speeds and my personality, I thrive off of that. So that's like, and that can be bad. That's an issue I need help with, but right. So, so I'm moving, moving, moving. I, I love what's going on, but it's a lot. Have I said that? It's a lot. It's a lot. And uh, I found myself, I'm bouncing out of my office. I'm, I'm trying to fine tune all these pieces for today. And, uh, and I needed to see, this is, sounds so minor, but it's huge. I wanted to make sure that my uh, iPad uh, was fully charged because I couldn't remember when the last time I plugged it in. So I bounced to the couch and my girls were sitting there playing with it. And uh, I'm like, hey, I just need to see something. And so I go to touch the screen and my oldest hit the screen. And I'm like, well, I tried to touch it. She hit it again. I'm like, Key, one second. She did it again. And before I even knew what was coming out of my mouth, I literally go, stop it. Oh. I'm like, that just came out of my mouth. Her eyes, whoosh. she's looking up at me and I'm in this position over her. And I'm like going, oh. I put my head, hand on her head. And I go, Key, I'm so sorry. I didn't say I'm so sorry but right? That cancels out the I'm sorry, right? You, we get that. When someone says I'm sorry but you're not sorry then. It's I'm sorry period. I'm sorry. I walked back into my office and I sat down and I'm like, "Okay, God, I I didn't need more material for Sunday. <laughs> I don't need another illustration. But you know what that screamed to me? What's going on in the inside will always be reflected on the outside. In Galatians chapter 5 there's this list of inner qualities, and uh, wherever you are spiritually, uh, maybe right now you're like, okay, Chris, okay, I'm I'm here, and that's good good enough, but I'm not sure about this book and this Jesus thing, and I'm not not really sure. Awesome. I I think this list, whether you believe this or not, I think this is a list of inner qualities, that you can still sit and kind of think about. I'm pretty sure that all these inner qualities you would probably put on the yeah, those would be really good to have. And so whether you're kind of in that space in your spiritual journey I, I, I think you, you'll resonate with these with these words. For, for those of you who are at a different place in your spiritual journey. Uh, these are what's called the, the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, maybe you've heard of these words before. Maybe you've memorized them. Uh, maybe you've just heard someone talk about fruit and the Spirit, and you're like, what's that? But there's these qualities that God says, no, these are the inner qualities I care about. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Isn't it amazing how many times this book comes back to this word love? And it's number one on the list. But it's not the love that you and I usually toss around, is it? We attach all these conditions to love, don't we? Have you ever said to someone before, I don't like this person, but I guess I have to love them. Can you honestly love someone and not like them? How many people have you just written off because of how they treated you? And maybe you feel so righteous in that position, going, Yeah, Chris, if you know what they did to me, you would say it's okay not to what? Love them. See, the love of the Bible puts no conditions on love because Christ put no conditions on his love for you. Zero conditions. Jesus said, I'm going to love you no matter what you do. I'm going to love you no matter what you think. I'm going to love you no matter how many times you walk away. I'm going to love you no matter what. You see, God's definition of love has no conditions, has no limitations. So it'd be easy to to blow through this list and say, yeah, I love people. No, no, no. Do you love defined by God? Joy, joy, and happiness—not the same thing, are they? Happiness is an emotion based off of a condition, an impact, something happening in your life. You get a, a raise, you're like woohoo! Right? You get a job promotion, you're like woohoo! You find out that you know your wife's pregnant. Hopefully, woohoo! Some of you are like, oh, right? Happiness comes from that moment that intersects into your life. Joy Joy says it comes from God and guess what? It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. It's not conditional. Because God's the author of joy. So in your life right now, Are you filled with joy and peace? I don't know if you've ever experienced this before. It's an amazing experience. Your entire world can be absolutely chaotic. I mean, just intense things happening all around you, but you discover this peace and you just know that you're right in the middle of God's presence. It doesn't mean that all that stuff swirling and storming around you goes away but you discovered this peace and you realize that peace comes from God. And how do you try to find that place? You see, these first three are really focused on God. Love, joy, peace. The next three are really focused about how we interact with each other. Forbearance, forgiving someone of their debt. Letting go, not putting conditions on a relationship. Do you see this condition thing through this? Kindness, being kind to people wherever you might be in the Lincoln Tunnel at 435 (laughs) with someone who forgot to put gas in their car. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What if you took that list? Wherever you find yourself spiritually, what if you took that list? And maybe you took the entire list. Maybe you just focused on one, the one that you know is number one on the list for you that you're dealing the most with. What if you took that and said this week you're going to spend some time on the inside. How are you going to discover joy when everything around you doesn't feel so joyful? How do you discover peace when your whole outer uh, world is raging? How do you love when there's people in your lives you don't think, deserve your love. How are you kind to someone who's unkind? My challenge for you is simple. Remember, your inside will always be reflected on the outside. So the challenge is, maybe this week, you start working on the inside. Because what I discovered yesterday with my daughter, I don't like to see. Lord, I pray for what you're doing in all of our hearts, minds, and souls. And Lord, that we will continually just become more like you. In everything we we say, know and love and do. In your name I pray. Amen.